I've been trying to figure out the word to describe my emotions, and I think it's just amazed. I am amazed at the 16 host homes who hosted strangers in their own home for the weekend just so that those students would be able to grow in their relationship with Jesus and with their community of faith. I am amazed at the near 700 people that stayed here late to Friday night, all day yesterday, into the evening, so that we would be able to feed 156,000 meals to children around the world. I am amazed that our missions pastor, Claire Berry, wore a blue cowboy hat for 12 hours yesterday. And then I'm amazed that 34 men and women, a lot of them college students, gave up their weekend of leisure, gave up their weekend of doing the chores that they need to do, the exams and, that they needed to study for, or really the parties that they missed, to, to care for these students in such a, a real and honest way. This weekend, I want you to know that the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church you lived into what it is to have an abundant life in Christ. And you should be pleased, for God is pleased with your work. For the past four weeks, we have been looking at who Jesus is and what does it mean to follow this man and to really live into having an abundant life in Christ. I hope that you've been asking yourself, who is Jesus to me? I hope that maybe you have created an elevator speech in your mind. And what I mean by that is that if you were to get into an elevator with a stranger and they randomly asked you, who is Jesus? Why do you follow him? That by the time you got to the, the 10th floor, you would be able to tell that person why Jesus is important to follow. But not just for you, but who is Jesus so that we as a community of faith can go back to our homes, back to our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our schools, and we can demonstrate what it's like to follow Jesus. So we saw that Jesus is fully divine, fully human. Jesus gathers us in and then sends us out. And then last week that Jesus is a healer. And today we are going to see that Jesus acted out of an emotion that all of us feel often, and it's compassion. I wonder if you have seen or, or heard something recently, and it just didn't sit right with you. You, you, you felt something deep within you, and, and you thought, this is not okay. Artists throughout history have tried to put this into words and, in, and into paintings, Marvin Gaye, when he saw that there was this crisis going on in our environment, he wrote the lyrics, mercy, mercy me. Things ain't right, what they, they ain't what they used to be, no, no, radiation under the ground and in the sky, animals and birds who live nearby are dying. Modern rapper Kendrick Lamar he has not been okay with this temptation to just live for the glory and the approval of other people. And so in his song, All the Stars, this is what he speaks of that he is not okay with. He says, skin covered in ego. Get to talking, I get involved, like a rebound, no control. 
No off switch in the way that you are bringing me down. It's a turn on. Get it away from me. Kendrick Lamar is saying it is not okay to be led by the opinion and the esteem of other people. Jesus spoke and acted with the things that he saw and the things that he heard from this place of it is not okay. And in the Greek, it's the word compassion, which comes also from the word for our guts. Literally, splognica. It sounds like you're throwing up, right? Splognica. It's this place of uh, deep within you, and y'all know what I'm talking about when you see or you hear something and you have this visceral reaction that it is not okay. Jesus is a person who felt deeply these things in his gut. And then Mark uses this word over and over and, and he uses it to say this is the place from which Jesus felt compelled to care for others. So what happens in our story today that shows that Jesus has this compassion? So we see that the disciples are totally wiped out. The scripture tells us that they have been very busy at work going throughout the areas around Jerusalem, telling others about Jesus and curing and healing people. We are told just moments before that the first follower of Jesus, John the Baptist, has been killed. They are scared. They are weary. They are terrified. And so Jesus notices this and he says to them, hey, let's get into a boat and let's go to the other side so that we can rest. But then so many people are wanting to be with this healer. They see this new type of leader and so by the time Jesus and his disciples get to the other side, they have beat them there. And so Jesus gets out of the boat and there's this huge crowd. And I wanna note though that Jesus had planned to take a rest, but even Jesus' plans get interrupted. Jesus sees these crowds and he has compassion on them. And the word that Mark uses, this phrase, is that he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. So I imagine these crowds, they, they don't know where to go. They've obviously left their homes in order to get something from Jesus. They look lost. They look confused. They looked as if they needed something. But as I reached into this scripture, I realized it was actually a lot more than just sheep without a shepherd because Jesus as a faithful Jewish boy, would have heard the stories of the Hebrew Bible, where leaders used this phrase. Because you see, Moses' story ends like this. He is at the, the precipice of going into the promised land, and he is worried for those people of Israel because he has been told he does not get to go with them. And so he cries out to the Lord and he says, please give them another leader or they will be like sheep without a shepherd. And so guess what God does? He appoints Joshua to be the leader for them. And then centuries later, we have the prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is speaking these words about the awful situation that is going on with the people of Israel because their leaders have failed to lead them well. And this is what Ezekiel says. Ah, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat 
You clothe yourselves with their wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You haven't strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured, but with force and harshness, you have ruled them. So you see, Jesus sees these crowds, and this would not have been new to him. He sees that these are a people that are lost. They are desperately seeking something. They are seeking for someone to pay attention to them, someone to notice them, and honestly, someone to feed them. And Jesus is not going to be like those other Israelite leaders and care more about his own needs. It did not matter that he and his disciples were weary and tired and hungry. He had to do the hard thing. He could not just feel for them. He could not just have that visceral feeling deep within him and say, oh, I feel bad for them. You see, true true Christ-like compassion has to involve action. It must involve a response to the very thing for which you have been compelled deep in our gut. And so how does Jesus respond? The scriptures tells us in, in Mark that immediately the first thing that Jesus did was begin to teach them. Matthew's version of this same story says that Jesus cured their sick. And in Luke's version, it says Jesus welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed to be cured. But what we can glean from all of these is that out of that response, out of that feeling of compassion, that Jesus' action was to be with the people, spending time with those that were in need. He felt compassion, and then he had to respond, spending time with those that he had felt compassion for. You see, when we are moved with Christ-like compassion, we must respond by spending time with those who we feel compassion for. So after spending the day with these folks, teaching them, healing them, it's getting late. And Jesus realizes we need to eat. And so do all these people. I think it's interesting, though, that when Jesus got off the boat, he didn't saw the crowds and then just do a drive-by miracle. He didn't just say, oh, let's just feed them. Jesus' first response of compassion was to be in relationship with the people that were in need. And then out of that, their communal need became apparent. These people are hungry. And so Jesus feels compassion. He spends time with the crowds, and then he becomes aware of their need. What's so interesting to me is that in that moment, as the God in the flesh, the Savior of the world, that Jesus could have just done, and they would have had like Chick-fil-A or McDonald's, right? It could have been that, that he just miraculously let it appear. But that's not what the scripture says. Look back what it says. When it grew late... Jesus' disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he says to them, no. How many loaves have you? 
how many loaves do you already have? Go and see. So when they found out, they had five loaves and two fish. I think this is, this is just an incredible model for how to act out of compassion for the world. The disciples were asked, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Friends, what gifts do all of us already have that Jesus is saying, go and see? What can we offer to God that God will then multiply in ways beyond our imagination? Christ-like compassion involves the community asking, how many loaves do we have? And then sharing those loaves and then watching God multiply them to meet the needs of others. As many of you know, in September of 1998, a man named Alan Graham and a few of his friends, they felt something deep within their gut. And they felt like they needed to do something to feed the hungry in Austin. And so Alan grabbed a couple of his friends, they loaded up a minivan with food, and they headed downtown. After many um, conversations and months of doing this, they, they talked with homeless people and they, they realized that there was possibility for a ministry that would still allow those that lived on the margins of material poverty to retain their dignity. And so out of this came this amazing ministry, Mobile Loaves and Fishes. I hope you know that every single night of the year now, that hundreds of people in the Austin area are fed. It's not just the homeless, though. This is a big community need is that there are so many people in Austin that live in affordable housing areas who, who are on just the brink of material poverty. Since I've only been here a couple of months, I, I really can't tell you firsthand, but I wanted to ask one of our members who's really involved in this, um, why feed homeless people? Why feed people that are on the brink of material poverty? And this is what she said. She said, as people of privilege, we all live in this bubble. And we don't understand that these are human beings who in all cases did not choose this lifestyle. No one chooses to sleep under a bridge. God created these people too. They embody the least of these. She went on, many suffer from mental health issues and you know the cycle. It is literally impossible to break it all by yourself. Well, I asked her, I said, but, but why do you feed them? Why not just hang without, out with them or maybe just write a check? She said, when you do this feeding, you are filling a hunger need and you need to know there is legitimate hunger in Austin, Texas. And when she said that, I thought, when was the last time I was hungry? She said, but it's more than just feeding their bodies. One of the best things that you do for a homeless person is you look them in the eye and you let them know they have been seen and you touch them on the shoulder. I was so fascinated. I asked her, how did she get involved with this ministry? And, and she said she just signed up for one of those truck runs. And one of our first truck runs, they went down into a, a marginalized area where the people were not homeless. They had homes, but they were living in material poverty. And as the truck approached, she said it was swarmed with dozens of children. Swarming this truck, 
so excited for their snacks and their food and their eggs. And so they're handing out the food and, and it's all gone. There's not a scrap left. And, and they're feeling good. We fed all these kids and then all of a sudden she feels a little tug. And, and looks down and there's this, this precious child barely out of diapers looking up at her. And he says, ma'am, do you have an egg? And she said, how do, you, how do you say no to a child that's asking for an egg? He wasn't even asking for a cookie. And so then when she went back, she, she called her mom. And she said, I don't know if I'm going to do that again. That was really hard. And her mom said, that is exactly why you're going to do it again. Because we do hard things. I have to imagine that's what Jesus thought when he was on that bank of the lake and he really wanted a break. And he knew his disciples did too, but he had to do the hard thing and he had to respond out of that feeling of compassion. Now I know that there in this space are many type A folks and you've already begun to consider how can I fit this acting out of compassion into my schedule? To those of you like this, you don't need a plan. You don't need a plan for this. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And your schedule and the details of it all will work out with the grace of God as your plan. And for those of you in here who are thinking, there's no way I can offer any compassion to anyone else when I feel so awful about my own self. I want you to trust me on this. That when we act out of compassion, God is faithful. We just sang it, great is God's faithfulness. God will work in you in ways beyond your imagination to meet the needs of others. As followers of Christ, we are the hands and feet that need to respond to the compassion and those feelings within our gut that we get from the Holy Spirit. My friend who I interviewed shared this quote from St. Teresa of Avila that I want to share with you all. Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ looks compassion into the world. Yours are the feet through which Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which Christ blesses the world. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.